Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. Episode 27. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here, your host of the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that gives you the tools, inspiration, and the book recommendations you need to build your family culture around books. Thanks so much for joining me for episode 27. Today, I'm going to be chatting with one of my very best friends, Pam Barnhill. Pam has a crazy awesome summer reading program we're going to chat about. And honestly, she's just one of the best people I know to go to for great book recommendations and creative ideas. So we've got a wonderful show for you today. Now, before we start, I wanted to get you up to speed on a couple of important announcements. First, the podcast is going on a little summer break. We'll be taking about eight weeks off. So this is the final episode of the Read Aloud Revival podcast until August. Now, don't worry. When we come back in August, we're coming back with a bang. Our first guest for the fall lineup is Susan Weisbauer of Well-Trained Mind fame. She's someone a lot of you have requested. We'll also be chatting with Rhea Berg from Beautiful Feet Books. Dr. Joseph Price about some really solid research about read-alouds and their impact on family culture. Gosh, we've got a whole lineup of shows for the fall and winter, and it's going to knock your socks off. So anyway, don't be surprised when new podcasts don't drop into your phone or MP3 player or however you listen. Over June and July, just know we're working hard on some wonderful shows for you to start back up in August to get your new school year off with a bang. And we're also over at Membership making the membership site the awesome resource we want it to be for you as you build your family culture around books. In fact, very soon, you'll be able to find some brand new resources in the membership site. One that we're almost ready to put up is a best of LibriVox page. LibriVox, of course, is a site crammed full of free audio stories, but the site can be a little tricky to navigate. And a lot of the stories are read by multiple narrators, which can get a little confusing. And I don't know, I find it a bit frustrating. So what we've done is we've culled the very best narrators and stories on LibriVox, and we've put quick links to each of those on a page, and it's going to go into the membership site very soon. That's going to be an awesome resource, and we'll continue to add to that as we hear from you about other great LibriVox stories and narrators to add to that collection. And there are other good things happening in membership this summer, too. We have a live author event happening with Melissa Wiley, the writer of The Prairie Thief and a number of other fabulous books and just a whole bunch of other really good stuff we're working on. So if you miss us, head over to membership. Otherwise, get caught up on any podcast you may have missed and make sure you head to readaloudrevival.com and click that Join the Revival button so I can send you Friday emails and you can stay up to speed and stay encouraged to read aloud over the summer with your kids. Now, I have something else for you today, something I'm so excited to share. I've created a resource for you that will hopefully put an end to asking that dreaded question, did you like it, after your kids have read a book. Isn't that just the most frustrating conversation killer? I know this because in our Read Aloud Revival Facebook community, we hear this all the time. What on earth should I ask my kids after they read a book? All I can think of is, did you like it? And of course, what happens when you ask that question is you get a yep or a nope. (laughs) That's pretty much the end of the conversation. But the truth is there are a few simple questions you can ask your kids about any book, any book at all, from a picture book, from Dr. Seuss, all the way up to War and Peace that would open up some good discussions. You really don't need any special curriculum or tools or tricks. You just need to know the right questions to ask. And I have a handful of them for you. 
So to help you with that, I've made you a guide. It's a PDF resource that you can use to help you know which questions to ask and how to follow them up so that you can have really wonderful conversations with your kids about any books you read together or books that they've read on their own. And the guide is free and you can grab it at readaloudrevival.com. So just go to readaloudrevival.com. You'll see how to nab yours. Like I said, it's free. And a cool thing we did with those is it's not just a PDF resource, but we created some bookmarks there at the end. And so when you download your guide, you'll be able to print off the bookmarks at the very end of it. And those have the questions printed right on them so that you can tuck a bookmark into whatever you're reading and never be tempted to ask, did you like it (laughs) at the end again? (laughs) One more thing. After today's interview, we've got a treat because there are 10 Yes, 10 Let the Kids Speak recommendations on today's show. I absolutely love it when your kids call in and tell me their favorite read-alouds. And I keep hearing that it's a lot of our listeners' favorite part of the podcast. So thanks to a tip from the Klaus family. Thank you, Klaus family. We've decided to make Let the Kids Speak a longer segment of the show. So we're putting 10 recommendations in today's show. Make sure you stick around after the interview so you can hear which 10 books the kids recommend today. That was a lot. (laughs) Okay, let's dive into today's interview. Pam Barnhill is one of my very best friends, and she's also the creator of edsnapshots.com, a fantastic website where you can get homeschool solutions step by step. One of the best things Pam does on her site is run a summer reading program. It's my kid's very favorite summer reading program. She did it last year. She's doing it again this year. It's called Traveling Through the Pages, and it's a really fantastic way to get your kids to read outside of their normal genres. So we'll talk about it more a little bit in the show. She's one of my favorite people to toss book ideas around with and just to generally spitball with about books and reading aloud. We do it all the time on the side, actually. So I figured, shoot, we should do this on air instead. Today, Pam and I are going to chat about summer reading, why to make it a priority, how to make it fun what makes it memorable, and which books would make for excellent summer reads. The show notes for today's interview are packed. So you can head to readaloudrevival.com, look for episode 27. You'll be able to see all the books we recommend on today's show there, as well as access to Pam's summer reading program and pretty much everything else we've talked about during the show. Here we go. So Pam, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Well, I'm excited to be here. Okay, so the first thing I'm so excited to tell everybody about is your summer reading program, which was a huge success in our home last year. You came up with this chart of, I guess it was more like a bingo chart where kids could read certain kinds of books and mark off their bingo chart. My kids went crazy over that. I had no idea it would be such a success. Well, it was so great. One of my daughters, well, actually both of them, I would say, were really pushed outside their normal genre. You know, my oldest daughter's really into historical fiction. And then my second daughter is a fantasy net. Well, your program got them picking up different kinds of books and seeking out different kinds of books every time we went to the library. And it was something that kind of carried through the whole year. So that was really fun. Yeah. You know that. Okay. So I have to give props to my partner in crime with the summer reading program. Actually, she blogs with me all year, but her name is Jessica Lawton and she lives here in my town, one of my in real life friends and we hang out and this was totally her idea. She loves children's books. She loves books and things like that. And she's like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a a printable chart and, you know, it had all of these different genres that the kids could read from. She was really disappointed in the reading programs, like at our summer, at our library, the summer reading program. You know, it's basically make a goal to read 10 books and read 10 books. And, you know, it doesn't really encourage you to, you know, to widen your reading net or anything like that. Well, plus my kids would like, especially my son, I could see him picking the shortest 10 comic Garfield books and being like, done. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Mark this off my list. So it was her idea. It really was her idea. Can you make me this printable that I can give to my kids that has all of these different squares on there to really get them reading outside of the normal genres that they read in? So that was totally why she wanted it. And then, of course, you know, I said, oh, we can put this on the blog. And so we made it for everyone and just added a bunch of stuff to it. You know, we had last year we had the reading passport, which was the bingo grid that you were talking about. 
And then we had, you know, some bookmarks and a certificate of completion and a reading log and some prize tickets that parents could use to give prizes to their kids for meeting certain goals. And yeah, it just turned into this big thing. And it was the most fun. So yeah. So I was going to ask you this at the end, but I'm going to jump it up right now because I'm curious. What's the theme for this year's? Well, we're going to keep traveling through the pages, but our theme this year is like reading an enchanted journey. And instead of a passport, we're going to have, it's a map. And I'm so excited about this. Well, I don't know if map's the right word. It's more of a game board. But I'm extremely excited because we commissioned a local homeschool artist. She's an 11th grader. She babysits for us, but absolutely wonderful artist. And her name is Catherine Weaver. And we commissioned her to do the artwork for this summer. So this is completely custom artwork. You oh, won't cool. find it anywhere else. And it's, um, she's drawn this kind of enchanted forest, a little path leading through it. And so instead of, you know, having a, a bingo grid kind of passport that you mark off this year, the kids are going to get to mark off the books on the path as they go along. So we're super excited. And we're going to leave all of the artwork black and white so the kids can, it's pretty detailed. So they're going to have to get out their colored pencils, but they'll be able to color it all in with their colored pencils themselves. Okay, well, let's talk about summer reading, because I think reading looks very different for a lot of us. I I have some friends who assign a whole slew of books for their kids to read in the summer. I have other friends who just let their kids read whatever their heart desires in the summer. Some families listen to a lot of audiobooks in the summer as they're traveling and as they're taking family trips or in the car a lot. And other families maybe find reading aloud together to be something they have more time for or less time for, kind of depending on what their family's you know culture looks like in the summer. I know it's looked a little different for us year by year. When we take a long road trip, we always listen to audiobooks. That's generally how we do it. But I kind of have a hard time with the read alouds in the summer. It's a little bit crazy because we spend a lot of time together and there's more daylight hours. So I should have Mm -hmm. an easier time to fit it in, but it just doesn't seem to work that way. So I'm curious to know, first, I'm curious to know what reading aloud looks like or reading looks like in your home in the summer. Well, first of all, I did a schedule for the summer. I did like a little summer schedule for us that we're kind of following because I find like if we go with no schedule route, it's just like complete anarchy and we devolve into like, you know, watching television all the time. And so I made us a summer schedule that we're following here. And one of the things that I was very specific about doing was putting in read aloud time. And because of our summer weather, it's right in the middle of the day. It's like at one o'clock in the afternoon, just the hottest part of the day where we're not even going to be at the pool at that point. Right. It's just too, it's too hot to even be in the swimming pool. And so, um, you know, right after lunch, kind of pegged it to that lunchtime, finishing up the um, lunch and dad leaving and going back to the office because he comes home for lunch. But before quiet time, which starts at two. So I've kind of nestled it in there. And that is the time that we are reading aloud. And so far, we've been doing it for about a week now. It's working really well for us to have that scheduled time at a very deliberate time of day. That time of day actually might work really well for us, too, because the toddlers go down for their naps right after lunch. So maybe if I just we put the toddlers down, I wrangle all the big kids and we do what do you do, like 20 minutes or half an hour? Yeah, something like that. Actually, right now we're reading The Green Ember. Okay. And so it's one chapter of The Green Ember yeah. is, okay. is pretty much what I'm doing at this point. Yeah. Now, as far as independent reading in my house, I still, you know, I've had a couple of later readers, you know, of my kids who are able to read. I've got one who is what I would call a just past burgeoning reader. She's finally gotten some confidence in herself as a reader and she's reading bigger books. So I am going to encourage her to read from a wide variety of things. And hopefully the summer reading program is going to do that for her. But I'm still going to give her a lot of free reign in what she's choosing to read because she's still building up that fluency. And right now, I believe at this point in her life, this summer, it's more important for her to read and read a lot than for me to dictate exactly what it is she's reading. So we're going to go for worthy, but we're going to go for worthy and easy and super enjoyable. Okay. So I love that. Actually, I think that's probably what I'm going to do. You know, my oldest is 13, but she's pretty good at choosing books to read. Although all my kids read some fluffy stuff, which is totally fine with me. But I think what I'll do is just let them have free reign for the most part. But we'll use your summer reading program to help them kind of break out of their normal genre ruts. (laughs) And then I think I'm going to assign one classic each. 
just pick one that I really want them to read that I don't know that they would pick up on their own. And they can read it, you know, one chapter a week all summer if they want, or they can just binge read it in a week or whatever. But one classic and then your summer reading program to help them kind of think outside the box and let them just sort of read whatever they'd like, you know, within reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, you know, I have a non what I call a non-confident reader. And I know you remember this when they can read, you know, the kid really can read. But if you were to go up and to ask him, can you read? He would tell you no. And, yeah. you know, do you remember this? And it's so weird. And I don't know. <laughs> it was know not that far that long ago with <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And both of my kids went through this stage where, you know, we were working through the reading program. I mean, you know, he's an all about reading level two. He can pick up any of those readers and go cold on a story and be able to read it. You know, but if you ask him, you know, can you read? He he would tell you no. And so, you know, I don't know what it is yet. So I have made him a basket of books that I know he should be able to read fairly well. And, you know, I just encourage him each day to pick from that basket. Now, I think he spends a lot of times with like the Usborne Animal Encyclopedia, mostly looking at the pictures mm-hmm. or, you know, he's really big into like Minecraft. And so he gets a Minecraft book from the library, which I totally allow. And he does look at the pictures a lot in there, but he'll also try to read those captions because he's so motivated to read what it's saying. So for him, you know, just all the encouragement in the world, trying to find things that he can be successful with, but also allowing him a lot of time to look at pictures like books with a lot of great pictures in them. Those Usborne books are wonderful for that with the little snippets of captions that he can go in and just look at. You know, the other thing I think is probably really good for that is series books. I know I was just having a conversation with Cindy Rollins about this, and she had said she thought series were a really good thing to get your kids hooked on in the summer because they get kind of in this groove and they just want to read a lot of it. Even if it's not like the most highbrow, you know, you could read the Bobsy Twins or my son went through this Encyclopedia Brown phase this last year where he voraciously read Encyclopedia Brown. Actually, that was a turning point for us from that stage that you're talking about where he didn't see himself as a reader and couldn't read very fluently to being able to read very fluently. I think Encyclopedia Brown was his companion on that, you know, in that transition. So, but, you know, Cindy said at the beginning of summer or at the end of the school year, read the first book together aloud of a series book like Harry Potter or something. And then your kids will just, you know, get so excited about reading the rest of the series that they'll develop a habit of reading to themselves pretty quickly after that. So, well, you know, I have, it's funny you mentioned Harry Potter because I have to tell you that's kind of been a turning point for us with my daughter is, you know, she had wanted to watch the movie and I pulled an Andrew Poodle on her and said, you can't watch the movie until you've read the book, when you're able to read that book completely by yourself. And I knew she was able to read the book. You know, she just didn't have the confidence in herself to be able to pick up a book that big and do it. I was going to say the thickness of the book, if you haven't been an avid reader yet to yourself yet, that could be a little daunting until you get into it and realize it's impossible to put down. (laughs) Right, right. And so that, you know, that's what happened. And so I did a couple of things. First of all, I did the... um the whole, you can't watch the movie until you've read the book. And that worked. That got her in there. And it took her a while. You know, it really did take her a while. And she, you know, she was reading some other things at the same time. But she finally made it through the book and then was so excited to watch the movie. And then the other thing I tacked onto that was, once you finished reading the book, we're going to go and have a mommy and me book club meeting. And so we're actually, we're doing it today. We're actually... But now we're on book three. So Uh she's reading book three, but we're still going to do the book club meeting for book two. That's the book club meeting we're doing today. And so I'm going to arm myself with some of your great questions for kids. And we're going down to, you know, just the local Barnes and Noble. And we're going to read, you know, discuss the book. And then when we're done, we're going to walk over to the children's book section. And, you know, we're going to get her another book. And it's, you know, it might be something totally unrelated to, Harry Potter would, you know, encourage her to pick up and read something else. But, you know, it'll just be a great memory for her. And it will encourage her to read another book and finish it so we can go back and do it again. Yep, exactly. Okay, so what do you think? I know you've done some research on this. So what's the big deal about reading in the summer? Or why should we even make it a priority? Well, you know, we should make it a priority because of something called a summer slump. I know that especially for those of us who are homeschoolers, we're thinking, oh, man, you know, something else for me to think about and have to worry about during the summertime. But there is such a thing as the summer slump. 
And it greatly affects math, which, you know, I know we're not talking about math here, but Thank I am goodness. Gonna... I do not run a math <laughs> podcast. Thank you very much. Okay. But I'm going to say that my children, one of the things on our schedule this summer <laughs> is a little math practice every day because a lot of kids lose. John Hopkins did a study and kids lose about 2.6 months of grade equivalency in math during the summer. Now, they didn't find as much losses in reading for kids who were like middle class or above, the lower socioeconomic groups of kids, students, lost about two months of reading as well. But the middle class and above level of kids didn't. And I have a feeling that's because those families were either strongly encouraging free reading during the summer, they were doing their library summer reading program, or they were reading aloud to them, quite honestly. Right. So, you know, whatever case, that just proves that reading aloud to your kids and having them read on their own during the summer, that's going to be the thing that keeps them from sliding that two months worth of, you know, study over the summertime. Which actually, speaking of math, that's a we are doing math practice every day too this summer, only because I absolutely refuse. We work way too hard during the school year for me to lose two and a half months of teaching, (laughs) right? Yeah. So yeah, I kind of think this uh, reading is a little bit more, it's a lot more delightful than math, but but still, (laughs) it's that progress (laughs) that you make that just feels like, oh my gosh, do we really want to throw that all away just, you know, without, just because we don't want to carve out 15 minutes a day or something for... For either one. Yeah. 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 And you know, it doesn't have to be schooly. My kids are actually, they're doing a little program called Reflex for math this summer, which I know we're not going to get off on the math thing, but we found this little program. Everybody just shut the podcast off. (laughs) No, they did not. (laughs) You know, it's a fun, they've been begging me to do it. Hey, mom, can I do some more Reflex? Mom, can I do some more Reflex? And you know, this is not a commercial. You'll just have to go look it up yourself. I don't get anything for pushing this, but... Well, um, put a link in the show notes because everybody's going to ask. And besides, now I'm wondering what it is. So (laughs) it's really cool. So they're asking me to do it. And it's just math facts fluency. You know, there are games. There are games involved. Oh, games are good. And um, so we're doing it a few minutes a day and they're loving it and they're asking for it. So that's great. But, you know, we need to do this same kind of thing with reading. If you have kids who are reluctant readers are, you know, they just don't default to reading. Some kids just don't want to, especially, I think, boys in the fourth, fifth, sixth grade age range, Mm -hmm. they just don't want to sit down and read. They're too busy doing other things. You know, so for kids who are either reluctant readers or just don't default to reading, we've got to do some things that'll get them into that mode of spending a a few minutes. I think a lot of times we make the mistake, and myself included here, of thinking if we build this culture where we're in our home, where we're reading aloud, well, you know, books are an integral part of our family culture, our kids will naturally default to being readers. But I know way too many mothers who have promoted or created this culture of reading aloud in their home or reading in general in their home, and their children don't default to reading. So I think that's, first of all, a burden to just release ourselves from. It's not something wrong that you've done as a mother or as a parent. You have not failed. (laughs) You are not an abysmal failure, I promise. (laughs) But also, it's helpful to know that it's good to set up some strategies for those kids who maybe don't default to reading, like your summer reading program. Something where there's a little bit more incentive, something that makes it more like a game or just actual like intentional part of your day. Hey, this is the 20 minutes a day or half an hour a day or an hour a day, whatever you decide that you're going to read every day. And just because you have to set up those guidelines does not mean that you're not, you know, doing a good job of promoting a reading culture. Sometimes that's what it takes. So how do we do that then? How do we encourage reading? I mean, some kids are going to just, you know, my second daughter is going to think summer is the best thing ever because she's going to have hours a day to read. My son's not going to think that. <laughs> so how do we encourage reading in the summer or where? what are some strategies we can use to make that a more delightful piece of our summer? Okay, well, I have a few. First of all, I think that one of the best ways to do this, and it might be a little easier to do this in the summer than it is at other times of year, especially for homeschooling families, is think about it as we're all in this together. And what I mean by that is that moms and dads need to be reading as well. You know, they need to be modeling that reading. And so 
student reading success is tied to parents who are readers. The more parents you have in the house, well, the more parents you have, all 20 of them, man, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I could use a few extra parents I in could, my house. Could somebody please send some parents. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> my ratio is so skewed the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> you are playing zone defense for sure. Oh, man. Okay, so if you have parents in the house who read themselves, then the students are going to be much more likely to be successful in reading. That's what the research does. So you want to read. And a couple of things you can do is you could make a family challenge where maybe you make a big chart and stick it up on the wall and say, as a family, we're going to read 100 books this summer or 500 books this summer. You know, make it whatever's appropriate for your family, enough to stretch you guys a little bit, but also you know, something that's not going to be completely unattainable for your particular family and the number of readers you have in your home and your situation. So, you know, make some kind of chart and stick it up on the wall and or so add a goal. So you're saying like a hundred books and every time anybody reads any book, they that counts for one of those books. Not a hundred exactly. books we're reading together. <laughs> no, okay, not a yes. hundred books you're reading together, but just a okay. hundred books or whatever your magic number is. And, you know, make some kind of star chart or thermometer, you know, like when the United Way does their big hullabaloo thing and there's a thermometer, you know, whatever, some kind of something that everyone can see and then everyone can add to. Read a bell, ring a bell every time somebody finishes a book and add a sticker to the chart. And, you know, mom needs to be adding stickers and dad needs to be adding stickers and all the kids needs to be adding stickers. And then when your chart is completely filled up, you get to do something to celebrate. And you choose, you know, the family could go to the amusement park for the day or they could go out for ice cream. It's totally up to you, but make it something that your entire family would enjoy. But do it together and have mom and dad show their complete and total buy-in to how important this is by modeling it. I love that. I love that. And if you are wondering, gosh, I don't know what to read because I'm not really much of an avid reader, if that's what you're thinking, I'm going to link to Ann Bogle's summer reading guide from Modern Mrs. Darcy because she has a just fantastic summer reading guide that will, there's something, there's something on that list that will capture your interest. So if you've gotten out of a reading habit, don't beat yourself up. Just pick something good and get started. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Sometimes I find that for me, because I do, I get so busy and I know you do too. And so it's easy to get out of that reading habit. Sometimes for me, the best way to get back into a reading habit is to go back to an old favorite that I just absolutely love that I know is good and I know is going to suck me in and read that one first. And then I'm, you know, kind of all jazzed up to steal your term about reading again that I can go out and find something else to move along. You know, I think I yes, I think reading kind of begets reading. So when I get out of the habit, it's so much harder for me to get just to pick up a book and read. I don't know. You know, it, it feels like this big hurdle I have to jump over. But when I'm in the habit of reading, even just say 15 minutes a day, like 15 minutes at three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, whatever would work for your family. That would be a terrible time of day for me, but I'll have to rethink (laughs) that. Uh, For our listeners who don't know, I have six kids and three of them are toddlers. So (laughs) that would be a really bad time of day. But let's say I decide that before bed, I'm going to read 15 minutes or whatever every single day. If once I get into the habit of just getting over that first hump, it just, once I'm in the habit, it just is so much easier. Just, you know, I read a book and then the next book is easier to pick up and the next book is easier to pick up. And then my habit is not to pick up my phone (laughs) and see what's going on on Facebook or in my inbox or whatever. And instead, pick up my book and spend that 10 or 15 minutes reading. You know who I'd also link to in the show notes to this podcast are Money Saving Mom. Crystal Payne has some really great posts on how she makes time for reading. And one of the things she says in one of those posts is to just use those little 10 minute periods of time where you don't your tendency would be to pick up your phone or mm-hmm. whatever just to read a couple of pages of a book. And she reads a ton of books and she is a very busy lady. <laughs> so right. I found those and, posts really encouraging. You know, I ended up because I used to read a lot on my phone, but it was so easy to click over and do something else. And also, I realized that if my kids saw me on my phone, they never thought I was reading. They thought, you know, she's over there playing Candy Crush, Angry Birds or something. (laughs) So I ended up buying myself a Kindle for my birthday. And, um, you know, because I like to buy myself birthday presents so I could get what I want. (laughs) And it's really made a difference because I don't do I haven't added anything else to the Kindle. You know, I've left everything else off of it. So it's just for reading. 
you know, I don't go to the little browser that's there or anything like that. And so that's a good point. I've actually moved back to physical books recently with a big like I used to buy a lot more ebooks than I do now, mostly because I just what I would find is I would then bring my phone or my iPad up to bed to read in bed. And then instead of opening the Kindle app, I found myself opening up everything else. And I thought, where is my self-discipline? This is ridiculous. I just need to bring Mm -hmm. a book and a book light and call it good. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it makes a difference. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Okay, so everybody in the family read and make a chart and track it. So the next thing that you could do is have a family book club. And so this would be where everyone in the family reads the same book and then you go out to dinner or, you know, even like maybe spread a picnic on the back porch or, you know, whatever you want to do. I would make it a little out of the ordinary in some way, either, you know, serve some kind of special food that's you don't have all the time that everybody loves or have a special dessert or go somewhere, you know, set that dinner apart in some way, but discuss the book. Oh, I love that. So is it this could be a book that you read aloud together, or it could be a book that everybody reads on their own. If you've got a family of people who could read, it could even be a picture book, right? Oh, yeah, it could be any kind of book that you want, but have, you know, get dad to buy into this. It needs to be something, you know, dad's going to be interested in as well. So you might have to do like, the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings or um, try Ender- not to read like Little Women or something. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Ender's Game. If you have older kids, you know, those teen kids, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card would be a great book because a lot of dads would probably get into that one. And then I've read that one. It was been a number of years ago now, but I really enjoyed it as somebody who doesn't normally even like science fiction. I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, it would be great. So I think that's a really good all around book. Okay. And some other books that we've had success with in our home. My husband really likes outdoor survival type books. So things like My Side of the Mountain or On the Mm -hmm. Far Side of the Mountain, Gary Paulson's books, a lot of those kind of outdoor adventure books. All of my kids love them. My girls love them too. So I think those make really good family type read alouds or read alones either way too. Yeah. So get something that dad can buy into and read with you and then, you know, have your family book club and everybody read it together. I think that's great. And then read aloud time. You know, summertime, I think you said you didn't know if it was easier or harder. For us, I think it's a little easier because so many of our outside activities shut down during summertime. Because it's so hot in the South. Well, not just that, but like there's, you know, we don't have ballet in the summer. We don't have, our church doesn't meet during the summer. We only meet during the school year on Wednesday nights. What else? I'm trying to think. Our co-op doesn't meet during the summer. It just seems like our calendar is a lot less full of things we're having to go and do in the, especially in the evening time. And so I love the idea of reading in the evening in the summer because it's so nice outside. You could lay out a blanket. Everybody could like lay out and just relax and it's light for a long time. And if you live in a neighborhood, the other thing I was thinking about this with summer, a couple of people in our Read Aloud Revival Facebook community, which is a crazy wonderful place for ideas. A couple of the 
women in there were talking about how they were planning on doing these neighborhood read alouds. So they'd say every Wednesday or you know, every Wednesday at one or every day this week at one or something, I'm going to be reading from Charlotte's Web. Everybody can come over here and get a popsicle and listen to the read aloud. And they oh, fun. Yeah. Attract like neighborhood kids. And I think that would work in the evenings, too. It probably you'd be like the favorite mother in the neighborhood if you did that. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, just that reading aloud and the audiobooks. And you mentioned this, listening to the audiobooks on the trip, you know, a lot of times, even just because we're not running and going and we're not as busy, we have more time to linger over meals. And so that's a great time to put on an audiobook and say, you know, every day at lunch or every evening at dinner, you're going to listen to this book, you know, have it be one book that you're going to listen to during dinner time and play the audiobook. Yeah, perfect. And if we'll put some links in the show notes too for good places to grab audiobooks. My favorite's Audible because it's so easy to grab good books on Audible and then have them on all of our devices, depending on where we are. But there's also some really good books on LibriVox. And we'll put some links in the show notes for people who would like to try audiobooks, but maybe haven't done that yet. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing is to make it a family affair, have the entire family be all in this together to encourage reading in the summer. The second thing that I think is important for a lot of readers is, and if it's not important for them, they're going to love it anyway, is to make it really fun. I like to call it celebrating reading. So I know some people have issues with like, you know, reading should be its own reward. Why am I going to give my kid a reward for reading? They should love reading for reading's sake. But I like to look at it as just completely and totally celebrating how wonderful this gift of reading is. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Okay. So one of the things we like to do in the summertime is we like to use the extra time we have because we're not homeschooling to have reading parties. And these are just a really fun way to, you know, usually ends up being our co-op friends and we invite them over to the house. And last summer we did two. We did a tea party, which everyone absolutely loved. It was a poetry tea party. And all the kids brought some of their favorite poems. And these were like, you know, we're not talking about serious poems here. We're talking about Jabberwocky and a lot of selections from Ogden Nash's poetry book, The Zoo. Oh, fun. Jack um, Prolatsky or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And Robert Louis Stevenson, there were a number of selections by him. And they either read them or they recited them. Some of them had memorized their poems. We did have a couple of Shakespeare recitations in there. And so we had this really fun tea party, fun food. We made ooey gooey train tracks. And, you know, ooey gooey was a worm. A mighty worm was he. He stepped upon the railroad track, the train he did not see. So we used these graham crackers and cream cheese and pretzels to make the train tracks. And then they got to put gummy worms on top of them. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, And that was their dessert. (laughs) And they ate it. And, you know, it was really simple. And then we had, there's an Ogden Nash poem about the chicken and the egg. I don't think I know that one. I cannot recite it for you. We'll just have to find it and look it up. But we had a platter of egg salad sandwiches and chicken fingers. Get it? Chicken or the egg? Very funny. Yes. So we did like some fun themed food and, you know, everybody brought a dish. This was very low stress for me. You know, these are all close friends, so I didn't have to go out of my way to make the house spick and span. We were meeting on the back porch. Everybody decided, you know, we kind of threw around a bunch of ideas and somebody said, oh, I'll bring this and I'll bring this. And everybody brought the food and the kids largely just played in the backyard and we ate and they recited their poems. So we did that one last summer. And then we also did what we called a mad scientist convention. And so for that one, we got a lot. We did a lot of science themed food that we found on Pinterest, like layers of the earth pizza. And um, fun. we had uh, periodic table cupcakes and nobody wanted to eat the arsenic one. I don't know why, but <laughs> they were just really cute. And then the kids all got to demonstrate a science experiment that they had found in a book. good idea. So that that would get them digging around in science experiment books to get ideas. Exactly. So they all had found their science experiment in the book, and then they got to get up and demonstrate it at the party. So this one was really popular, especially with the boys. And then already this spring, we've done, we did it around Shakespeare's birthday party, but it'll actually, the post about it'll go up during the summer reading program in June. 
But we did a birthday party for Shakespeare. It could also be a Midsummer Night's Dream party because it was very Midsummer Night's Dream themed. And we played pin the head on bottom. We had like a donkey cut out and with the little donkey heads. And we put the blindfold on the kids and would spin them around. And they'd walk up to the little cutout and try to put the donkey head on top of the person. They loved it. Oh, they just they thought did. it was absolutely. <laughs> My kids would get such a kick out of that. Okay. They thought it was so much fun. And we also did Shakespeare Mad Libs. And so all of that is going up in June on the summer reading program. I'll link you to the cutouts, the printables we use to do the pin the head on bottom. And the um, uh, we'll put our Shakespeare Mad Libs up. One of the girls in our group made those and said that she would not mind sharing them. Perfect. And, you know, we had a birthday cake and we sang Happy Birthday Shakespeare and all the kids blew out the candles on the cake. And they just think Shakespeare's the coolest guy ever because we got to do this birthday party and play all these cool games and celebrate him. I love that because those are the kind of memories that I think your kids aren't going to forget. You know, they're going to grow up and there's going to be certain things they remember and certain things they don't. But that's one of those things that's going to stick in their mind as one of their highlights. I'm sure of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just we have a little extra time. And so we spend a little extra time making it fun and just celebrating all of these wonderful things. And honestly, and I cannot stress this enough, we really throw these together. Like we'll start talking about them a couple weeks ahead of time and decide who's going to bring what. But a lot of times, I know that the morning of the party, we're all kind of rushing around, getting the things we need and throwing everything together. And they usually just go off without a hitch and the kids love whatever we put out there. So these are not They turn out a lot of fun, but we don't worry about making them high stress, you know, Pinterest perfect. I was just going to say, I really appreciate that because I tend not to be somebody who does like theme based, you know, birthday parties or I'm just, it's not something I really enjoy doing hunting Pinterest to get ideas for a Halloween party or whatever. So the idea (laughs) that we could just kind of throw together a few things and make it really special the way you're talking about it, that I could probably do. So that's really encouraging to me. Yeah. For our Shakespeare birthday party, we actually did. We were having a good time one night, just the moms going through Pinterest and looking at ideas. And so one of the moms found this Elizabethan honey cake. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to make this Elizabethan honey cake. Well, it absolutely flopped. Sorry, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) The cake absolutely flopped. And she knew it. I mean, she got up that morning and she made this cake. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And so she sends me this text and she says, oh, the cake didn't work. I've got to go to the grocery store and get some cupcakes. And she did. She went to the grocery store and bought a couple packs of cupcakes. And that's what we had for, you know, she still brought the cake. It wasn't bad, but um, <laughs> it just didn't turn out the way she expected it to. But the kids wouldn't care. <laughs> they just want the cake. And it's that, you know, honestly, one of the things I've noticed is about kids is that if you add sugar <laughs> or a treat yeah, of any kind, care. they don't really care if it's thematic or not. They just think, you know, I have this theory that if you add chocolate to absolutely anything, it is now a celebration. So there you go. Yeah. So um, anyway, plan some parties or some celebrations, some special things that really kind of, you know, celebrate reading. So another great thing to do with the summer reading program, we do include the prize tickets and parents can write whatever prize they want to on the ticket. And we actually made the spot in the summer reading program. There's a square for you to write the, the name of the prize in. And we made them that size because you can order those scratch off stickers from Amazon to go. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. And so what you would do is you would take your sheet of prize tickets and write your prizes in the squares. And we really encourage things like going to get ice cream or to the movies or going to buy a book at the bookstore is a great prize for having accomplished some kind of reading goal or, you know, trips with mom and dad, something that the kids really would really want to do anyway, like, you know, go and discuss the book with mom at the coffee shop or, you know, have a breakfast out with dad. So these don't have to be like, you're not buying them video games or candy for reading. You're doing rewards that are things that build family together or encourage them to read more Yeah, or have great conversations with their parents. And so anyway, so you fill out your sheet, you write in the prizes on there, and then you can buy these little stickers at, we got our Amazon that you stick over the top of the square and you cut them up. And then when a kid reaches one of their goals, whatever the goal is that you decide, you know, it may be read five books, it may be complete the entire thing, 
they get to pick a ticket and then they have to use a coin to scratch it off. Oh, that's so fun. Okay, will you send me the link to that, those stickers so we could, oh, actually, that's probably in your summer reading program, right? Uh, Yeah, I'll have to find it. Okay, okay. (laughs) But yeah, I can find find it. Yeah. You know, also, just because you're participating in our summer reading program doesn't mean that you can't participate in other summer reading programs that are out there. You know, really, a lot of these summer reading programs kind of complement each other. So, you know, do the ones. I realize that there are some out there that offer books as prizes that you're like, eh, you know, I really don't even want my kid to have those books. That's okay. Pick a different one. Yeah. You know, your library is going to have a summer reading program that you might choose to be involved in. Ours always gives out this, you know, fun packet of things where you can go to Chick-fil-A and which everybody loves to go to Chick-fil-A and get an ice cream in the summertime. Or I don't know, there's usually five or six little things like goofy golf tickets and things in there that you can do. Fun. I know and, there's like yeah. a Pizza Hut summer re- yeah. program. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Exodus Books has a summer reading program. I just saw that the other day. Do you know much about that? I just kind of glanced at it. I know it costs $5 to join, but you do, once they complete the summer reading program, they do get a gift certificate to Exodus Books. I can't remember what the value of that is, but you have to link to that one. Okay, we will. Definitely. And it's pretty specific. Like you have to read, they have a list of books for each grade level. And the in order to complete their summer reading program, you have to read books from their list. Which, you know, if so, you're trying to encourage your kids to read really good books, whatever books Exodus Books recommends are probably going to be really, I, I haven't looked at the list yet, but their reputation and their tendency to right. have really good book recommendations is pretty strong. So I would think that would be a f- fantastic book list, honestly. Yeah, I glanced at it and it really is. So. Another thing you could do is have a, actually, we're going to do this for you. We're going to make a bucket list of places to read. And we're going to have this available in the summer reading program. Oh, fun. And so so this is just another way to add a little element of fun in addition to reading across the genres would be reading in different places. So it's going to be things like read on the shore. Now, it may be the beach, it may be the lake, whatever, you know, read in a hammock. Oh, now that I'm saying this, I can't think of any of them. (laughs) Read in a bunk bed, read in a tent, just all of these places where you might potentially read during the summertime. And you know what? If your family has absolutely no plans to go camping for whatever reason this summer, but read in a tent is on your bucket list and you set up that tent either in the backyard or, you know, if you've got one of those freestanding ones, you can set up in the house without stakes and you get all the kids to crawl in there with their pillows and you read to them one day. Best mom ever. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, and this was not hard. So, you know, summer bucket list of places to read just to get everyone, you know, out and about and and reading in different places and having more fun. That sounds awesome. That sounds wonderful. Okay. Okay, So let's, oh, do you have any more? I have one more. Oh, good. (laughs) See, you're so so full of ideas. This is awesome. (laughs) I try. All right. So, Three ways, I'm talking about three different ways to encourage your kids to read this summer. So we've got do it together as a family, make it extra fun. And then the third one, I think it may be one of the most important ways, and that is help them find great books. Oh, very um, good. Okay. Scholastic did a study of readers, of kids who read, and the kids whose parents help them find books read on average 39.6 books a year compared to 4.7 books a year by kids whose parents don't. Wow, that's a huge difference. That is a huge difference. And you know, it, we probably have some things going on as people who are building reading cultures in our home that, you know, th- our gap wouldn't be that big. Yeah. But there's probably a gap there if you're just turning them loose and not helping them find yeah. good yeah. books. So let's talk a little bit about how to do that. And Our summer reading program is one of the ways that you can do it. We're going to have a post that goes up every week in June that has a book list on it. And Jessica writes this post and she has read every book on those lists. Oh, awesome. So she has spent, she usually starts in about January and she starts going through and pulling out the stacks of books and discards a lot that she just doesn't think should make the list. So those are a really good place to go. Excellent. Okay, we'll make sure we... Well, we're going to be linking to the summer reading program anyway, but I will be adding a link to each of those posts to the show notes as June progresses. So if you're listening to this podcast and it's past June, you can go to the show notes and you'll see links to all of these book lists that Pam's talking about. Right. 
getting involved with your library programs and going to the library often this summer is a really great way to, you know, you're standing there, you're in the stacks with your kids, and you're going to see things that you remember reading when you were a kid and, you know, be able to hand it to them and say, hey, I think you would like this book. This is great. Fostering that communication with your librarian, if you have a really great children's librarian who can help you out, who understands your family, your values, and the kinds of things that you like for your kids to read and can help you find them. So really taking advantage of the library is another way to help them find good books. And then just having conversations with your children about what they like to read and noticing the kinds of things they're reading. And then that makes you better able as come across books either online or in a bookstore or in the library to say, hey, I think this is something that, you know, kid two would like to read because they're always reading books like this. So which books would you recommend off the top of your head if you could just spout off some that our listeners may be interested in just getting started with for summer reading? Well, I have been looking at some of the some more of the things from the Scholastic. I thought that was so interesting. Their information from their reading study that they did, because they actually asked kids what kind of books would they like to read. And 70% of all kids from ages six to 18 said they wanted books that would make them laugh. Oh, very good. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so some books that might make kids laugh. There's one called I Want My Hat Back. Oh my gosh. That book is so funny. (laughs) I love that book. I can read. It's a picture book. I can read that book 10 times and the illustrations and the text working together. It is so funny. Yeah, that's a great one. And also we read one last year and you're not going to believe this. It's a one word book. It's called Ball, and it's for all the dog lovers okay. out there because I am raising a family of dog lovers, and it is just hilarious. We laughed our way through that one-word book. The illustrations are just awesome. <laughs> so if you like dogs at all, I highly recommend Ball. Another dog book, Hank the Cow Dog. Oh, I, you know what? I have yet to read a Hank the Cow Dog, but I keep hearing it recommended. So we've listened to the audiobook. And I know that there are some parents who read Hank and leave out a few words. So I'm just going to warn you about that one. I can't remember what they were. I don't remember being scandalized by anything. But (laughs) I've heard the audio books are pretty well done and they're read by the author, right? And Mm -hmm. we've had some requests to have him on the show. So I might have to. And there's some guitar play. He's like a singing cowboy kind of. There's guitar playing in there, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yes. And And you know, they have to be a little bit older to appreciate the humor in there, don't you think? Yes. Winnie the Pooh, I was just about to say, Winnie the Pooh gets funnier as you get older. I find it absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I'll be reading it. We we, we read a few chapters from one of them. I can't remember which volume. Uh, That was a couple months ago. And I kept stopping to laugh. And even my nine-year-old would kind of look at me and think, why was that funny? But my 13-year-old thought it was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny that everybody thinks Winnie the Pooh is a really little kid book, but the humor there is much more mature. I mean, maybe mature is not the right word to use. The humor there is, you know, you really appreciate it as you get older. Okay, well, Carol Joy Side, and I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but I had Carol Joy Side on the show a few episodes ago, and that's one of the books that she said every child has got to read. There was three books, and Winnie the Pooh was one of them. So, Oh, yeah, I can believe that. And, you know, I can never talk about Winnie the Pooh without the caveat of if you struggle reading Winnie the Pooh out loud, you're not alone. Yes. Get the audiobook. Is it Peter Dennis? Yep. Peter Dennis. And you can get that one yeah. on Audible. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we'll link the- to that. We'll link to that Audible version because Peter Dennis is the person to read the book. I mean, he does such a fantastic job. So, yeah. Yeah. So don't worry if you're one of those people who struggles with reading Winnie the Pooh out loud. A lot of us do. And just get the audiobook and enjoy it. Okay, so that's all kids. Now, kids who are from ages six to eight in the scholastic study said they want to read books about characters who look like them. Okay, and so six to eight year olds, and obviously every family is going to be different. You're going to, you know, have different cultural things going on to find books that look like your kids, you know, characters who look like your kids. But some that might work, Beezus and Ramona. (laughs) Yes. 
I actually think uh, find those books a little bit hard to read aloud, but I kids love reading them. I love reading them. I just think they're a little hard to read aloud, but they're so much fun to read. Yeah. And so that and that's something that's pretty easy to turn over to your average seven or eight year old. Yep. And they can that one. Fudge and Super Fudge. Of course. Yep. There's Amber Brown is not a crayon. I, I don't know if I've ever read Amber Brown before. It's a whole that series, was, right? Yeah, there's a whole series there. And that was one that was recommended by Jessica as an easier read for kids that age, but, you know, very high interest. If you have one of those kind of emerging readers and you're looking for books for them to read where the kid may look like them, especially if you've got a boy, Henry and Mudge, those are some of those simpler yes. books. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. not like short little chapters larger text kind of thing. Yep. Those would be some of the ones that I would give over to my non-confident reader for this summer. And then Jessica also recommended a series of books called Doll Hospital. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that. Okay. And so uh, it's about these dolls that represent different periods of history. And then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And you always want to relate mostly to Charlie in that one and not any of the other kids. (laughs) Although sometimes my children act a little bit more like... And I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but I want it now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So kids ages nine through 11 want a mystery or a problem to solve in their books. Okay. And so some things that might appeal to them would be Tuesdays at the Castle. And this is also a series of books and it's about a castle that changes. This was another one recommended by Jessica. I have not read it, but I fully stand behind any of her recommendations. And it sounds like it's a great series of books. She said they were wonderful. That was one of the books that we recommended in last year's summer reading program. I don't know about you guys, but The Green Ember is doing this for me. (laughs) Oh, The Green Ember is a read aloud revival favorite for sure. So yes. Yeah. And we're getting, you know, we're getting towards the end of the book where there are a lot of questions being raised. And so I can see some foreshadowing of this mystery that's going on in here. And so I'm like not wanting to put it down. Um, okay, and the prequel to The Green Number is coming out this summer from Story Warm Press. It's called The Black Star of Kingston. And, you know, at the beginning of The Green Number and that the prologue or the prelude. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay, at the beginning, there's this they kind of tease you about the history of what happened before. Oh, was it with Wits and Mariner? Yes, exactly. Yes. And so Black Star of Kingston is the story. Now, we got the pleasure of pre-reading that one. And it, <sighs> yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the Neener Neener all over the internet. I got to read it. It's fantastic. So another really good one to add to your summer reading list. And it should be, I don't know when this summer it's being released, but I do know that it's coming out this summer. So I'll be announcing it all over the internet when it comes out. <laughs> awesome. And also speaking of this summer and the membership site, the Prairie Thief has a mystery or a problem to solve. Okay. Melissa Wiley, one of our all-time favorite authors, totally love her. And the Prairie Thief is such a good book. So much fun. I would say probably the perfect summer read. I don't know why I would say that, but just it seems like a perfect summer read. It's light. It's funny. It's easy to read. It's got a mystery element. Anyway, yeah, so she's going to be doing a live author event inside the Read Aloud Revival membership site on July 26th. We're going to be giving away some of her books and she's going to be live on screen. Kids could be asking her questions about the book. It's going to be so much fun because that book is just a rollicking good time. So yeah, so that's another good one for that age group. Encyclopedia Brown, especially if you have a kid who's that age, but maybe their reading skills are lagging a little bit behind. And then there, another one Jessica recommended was Mandy and the Secret Tunnel. Yeah, my girls loved Mandy. Yep. And the whole series of books. So that goes back to that get them hooked with the series. Ages 12 to 14 want to read books with characters who are strong, smart, and brave. Okay. Okay. And so I think Harry Potter falls in that. Yeah, I do too. Because you've got Ron, Hermione, and Harry in there. Are scandalizing half of our audience. I know, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) I really do. I enjoyed those books. Jessica recommended, oh, she highly recommends this series of books. It's called The Chronicles of Pridian by Lord Lloyd Alexander. Yeah, that's been on my to-read pile for a while. I have not gotten to it, but I keep hearing about it. Yeah, and so I think I'm going to have to break down and read it because she keeps talking about it. King Arthur, Mm -hmm. some of the King Arthur tales. Yep. Anne of Green Gables. Of course. (laughs) Yes. 
Gary Paulson books, you know, Hatchet and other ones in that genre. Yeah, I think there's a whole series. Tuckett, is that right? Tuckett or t- anyway, we'll link. We'll cover. We're going to be linking to all these in the show notes. But yeah, he's got some great ones. Mm-hmm. Redwall. Oh yeah, and okay. We've been getting these all. In fact, I think my Audible subscription, I think that's almost all we've bought with our credits. I keep having to buy more credits from Audible in order to fuel the red wall hunger in our home. But my son's been listening to these on Audible and they're really well done. The the narrative is really well done. The narration, I mean, is really well done. And he just loves them, listens to them for hours. We've got a teen, one of the teens in our co-op here. And he's just all about Redwall right now. He's been devouring those books. And so, and his mom said that was a really, you know, 13 year old boy. Shout out to Ethan and Michelle. And his mom said that's just really the Redwall books is what really broke him free and turned him on to reading. And he's just been devouring one after the other. Yeah. Okay. So, right in that age group, perfect. And for girls in that age group, you know, we think of smart, strong, and brave. Think about little women. Mm hmm. Yep. Because those girls were exactly that. And all the books really in that series, my daughter, my 13-year-old's reading Good Wives right now. Just, yeah, the whole series. Joe's Boys. Yeah. I mean, I can remember reading that at about that age. So, all right. And then ages 15 to 17, they would like to forget about real life for a while. That's what they would like to do. And so Jessica has suggested one called Enchantress from the Stars. This is one of her books that she highly recommends. She says it's science fiction, but it's not, you know, okay. it's for people who don't necessarily like science fiction. What Ender's Game, that's another one. That's one that I recommend for older kids. Okay. Lord of the Rings is the entire trilogy. There's nothing that's going to make you forget about real life like Hobbits and Mount Doom. Pride and Prejudice, if you want to go in a different direction. You know, I know whenever I like to forget about real life, I throw on the movie so the book would work out great too (laughs) i haven't read that i can't i think i may have admitted that on air before i haven't read it i'm totally reading it this summer because i have been so informed that my life is not complete because i have not read pride and prejudice so i love pride and prejudice now i'm gonna like scandalize a few more people i have read the book and i do need to read it again because i think i would appreciate it more now than i did the first time i read it but jane austen to me is so dialogue dense it's almost like reading a Shakespeare play instead of watching it. And so I really love to watch Pride and Prejudice just because. And so if you've never watched the movie, I would say watch the movie first and then read the book. She's just got a lot of dialogue in there and interaction between the characters. I mean, that's really what makes the book. There's not action. It's characters and interaction. Okay. So even if you're going to have your 15 to 17 year old read it, have them watch the movie first. Okay. And then let them read it. So I know I probably scandalized a bunch of people, but there you go. So <laughs> Okay, so I want to throw a couple into this category because I don't know if you've read anything by Elizabeth Marie Pope. She wrote The Sherwood Ring, The Perilous Guard. And Melissa Wiley is the one who recommended these years ago. I read them, loved them. And they'd be a little bit lighter to read than like Prejudice. They'd be easier to read. They don't need to be 15 to read those books. But they're magical. They're page turners. They're, yeah, they're really good. Okay, and you know who I just thought of? Regina Doman. Oh, gosh. Yes. I got to meet her. Did I tell you that? I got to meet her in Cincinnati in April, and she was just as wonderfully wonderful as I expected. I'm a huge fan of all of her fairy tales retold, and some of them need to wait until, like, Rapunzel, for example, needs, that's definitely for older teens, young adults, maybe. But In the Shadow of the Bear and Mm -hmm. some of the other ones are great for this age range and we'll definitely link to those. Those would be fantastic. Yeah, those were delightful reads. And I love the fact that you can go to her website and read her age recommendation. Yeah, me too. For the book. So yeah, so be sure to do that before you just hand them over. But definitely forgetting about real life for a while. Thank you so much for joining me for the show today. That was so much fun. It always is to chat with you, but even more fun to chat with you on air. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I I really had a great time. Very good. Well, we'll all see you over at your summer reading program and talk to you next time. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Delaney Barnes. I'm 12 years old. I live in Southern California. 
The book I just finished is called Holes. It's a fantastic book. Um, I highly recommend it. It's about this boy who is trying to survive in this camp called Camp Green Lake. Very well written, very suspenseful, and it's a very, very good. Hello, my name is Brielle, and I'm nine years old, and I live in Milford, New Hampshire. My favorite book is Caddy the Dog by Carol Rye Green. Hello, my name is Jasper Klaus, and I'm from Milford, New Hampshire, and my favorite book is The Enormous Egg by Oliver Butterworth. He has an egg, and a dinosaur comes out of it. My name is Oliver, and my favorite book is Thomas. Hi, I'm Ezra, and my favorite book is The Chosen Noisy Village. Hello, I'm Madeline. I'm 10 years old, and I live in Franklin, Tennessee. Some of my favorite read-alouds are written by Shakespeare. I love the tragedies, the romances, and the comedy. Two of my favorite stories are A Midsummer Night's Dream and Taming of the Shrew. I love Taming of the Shrew because Katerina is the cruel, mean sister to be Anka, her fair and beautiful and kind and gentle. But you would never guess that Katerina would be the real heroine during the middle and end of the story. She turns more gentle and a more loving sister. And Bianca turns into a disobedient wife to her new husband, Sentio. And I love Midsummer Night's Dream because there's all this mixed up love and all the lovers are running around trying to find their true love and it's all Puck's fault. And all the fairies are trying to fix it up. And during the end, all of them find their true love and it ends happily. Hi, my name is Sophia. I live in Franklin, Tennessee and I am eight years old. My favorite book that we've read so far is called Father Brown. I love it because it's full of mystery and often full of tragedy, but Father Brown is always right who the criminal is. He is a priest, but he always knows the answer to the crime and who committed. Hi, my name is Caitlin and I'm four and a half. I live in Oregon. I like when my mama reads to me some story. It's a friendly hedgehog. I like it because the wedding part is fun. My name is Mackenzie and I'm seven years old. I live in Oregon and I like when my mom reads me an old princess. It's a book about a little girl who has a sad time but she is brave and the book turns out to have a happy ending. My name is Jubilee. I'm six years old. I'm a seven. I live on Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. My favorite read-aloud book is Birds in the Bushes, a story about Margaret Moore Snipe. What I like about the book is the birds. I really like birds. Thank you so much, kids. That was wonderful. And I'm really excited that we've made that a longer segment. So if your kids haven't called in and left a message, you can do that at readaloudrevival.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom of the page and you'll see how to do it. Very simple. If you're still waiting for your kids to get aired on the show, don't worry, they're coming. We use every submission that's made. And so we just air them in the order that they're received. Don't forget to head to readaloudrevival.com to grab your free guide on the five questions you can ask your kids about any book and open up a good conversation. That's free at readaloudrevival.com. And then make sure you subscribe to our weekly emails while you're there so that we can keep encouraging you over the summer to build your family culture around books. Have a wonderful summer. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be here back at it at the Read Aloud Revival very soon. Mm -hmm.